North Korea is my hometown. What they do is brainwashed us. When I watch Bad Boys 2, it is changing my mind. But if I ask them, I'm gonna die and my family's gonna die. The debt collectors come to our house. Now everybody wants me. Hurry up! Hurry up! Hello, listeners, and thanks for checking out this podcast. My name is Ben Shapiro, and welcome to the first ever episode of A Long Road Home. Before we get started, I want to talk for a second about my purpose for creating this podcast. A Long Road Home is going to be a series of real world stories about people who work in the on demand economy. If you're anything like me, you've probably used your phone to get help from people that you've never met before through services like Lyft, Uber, Instacart, Rinse. There's a ton of them out there. These types of businesses make it easy for us to get help and they increase the number of strangers that we interact with. My goal for this podcast is to tell you some of the amazing stories of the people behind the apps that you and I use every day. As this is the first episode of our first season of our podcast, we have what I think is a very interesting and special guest for you. Chol Ryu, who now goes by Charles, is a refugee from North Korea. Against all odds, he's survived being abandoned by his family, becoming a prisoner to the North Korean government, and being an indentured slave in a coal mine to daringly escape from North Korea when he was 17. He now lives in San Jose, California, where he drives for Lyft and studies software engineering. Considering everything that he's been through in his life, I find his story absolutely fascinating, and I couldn't be more excited to bring it to you. So before we get into Charles's story, he and I both wanted to talk a little bit about what life is like in North Korea and how that's so different than the United States, specifically how they're able to control the people that live in North Korea. So Charles, yes. tell me what life is like in North Korea and, and how that's different than what life is like here. So I say simply North Korea is beautiful. It is North Korea itself. Water is good, you know, air is good, you know, it's my hometown, it's beautiful, and so many good memories in there. But only thing I really don't like is, and only thing that I have, like, really hurt experience is the government. What they do is basically brainwash us in school. So let's say kindergarten through entire your life, they're gonna make you believe that they are the God, and they're gonna make you do whatever they want to do. So, for example, in North Korea, if you question any of those leadership, ask Kim Jong-il or Kim Il-sung, if you question why do we have to starving, and very next day you're going to get executed because you're questioning the wrong leadership, well, questioning the greatest leader, supreme leader in the world. And second thing, they are using the government power to control the people. So if you don't do what they tell you to do, then they're gonna say, or they're gonna put you in a labor camp. So in North Korean rule, you have to go to work 7 a.m. through 7 p.m. every day, don't miss any work. If you don't have a job, then you are in a labor camp. You have to go to labor camp for six months, eight months, a year. And at some point, men can have only one hairstyle. And you cannot have you cannot have long hair or you cannot wear clothes that has English letter on it. And 
if you do that or so you will go to labor camp for like six months eight months and also at some point women are not allowed to ride a bicycle because <laughs> they're saying that it doesn't look really good on women that's the only thing they don't want the women to ride a bicycle so North Korea, North Korean government has so much power and North Korean government is forcing them to believe that. So North Korean people are very used to it. So how does the government control the people so successfully? So it is all about the medias. In North Korea has only one channel, which is educational broadcasting. Television. Yes, television. They have only one channel. And in North Korean law, so the television, so let's say, uh, I'm assuming in 60s, we have uh, just a non-color TV and we turn the channels around, right? Like like this, right? It has a 12 channels in it. And North Korean governments take out those 11 channels and put only one channel so they can watch only one channel. And also they have a radio that has only one line in it radio. So uh, 5.30 a.m., to 10 p.m. we have to listen to the songs always talking about Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il's life and how they are great which is a totally propagandist and 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. Monday through Saturday and the TV channel discovers how Kim Il-sung's and Kim Jong-il's life is great uh, I mean how they done great things for us and uh, some movies have the move they also they're playing movie too. They have a movie, but it's all about the education and broadcasting. So which is how do we praise the Lord, praise the Kim Jong Il, Kim Il Sung, and on a Sunday, especially on a Sunday, they playing TVs. They playing the TVs during the daytime too. But it's always, always it's the songs and everything else. It's about the Kim's family, and educations also educations are all related to Kim Il Sung's and. Math and North Korean language and art and and musics and drawings, it has to be related to Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il. So that's how they successfully brainwashed the North Koreans because from when they born, they put them in a kindergarten and they teach them as how North Korean government's doing great. And people are believing that and they're telling us if Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il are not around us, America and South Korea is going to make us their slaves. And we have to be strong and we have to make weapons. And even we are starving for now, if we make the weapons, then we are going to be great. We are, we are the number one in whole world. And people are truly believing that because they're, they're listening to that like since they're young. You know? It's been already 100 years they've been you know, over in not, um, the game's families, right? So people are believing. That's how they successfully brainwashed and controlling the North Korean What are the civilians. consequences for someone that doesn't believe in North Korea's propaganda? Wow. <laughs> that is a really good question. Okay, so if somebody doesn't believe that Kim Il-sung is going to be, you know, he's not the supreme leader, then you will be gone in one night. What do you mean gone? You'll be dead. You'll be dead in one night. Because North Korean people are, North Korean governments are so afraid of people are turning their back on the government. So they're going to come to your house. They're going to come, they're going to find you somehow with everyone they got, come to your house and kill you. Or either they're going to 
send you to uh it's called the prison it is really really dangerous prison they're gonna put you in a prison for three generations so uh so let's say if i don't believe in kim jong-il then they're gonna put me in a prison my mother and my grandmother in a prison for whole my three generations and also i really want to mention what is changing north korea right i really want to mention that is foreign medias it is a change in North Korea right now because in my generations, they all watch the South Korean dramas and American movies too. So when I was in North Korea, I watched the foreign medias too. So when I watch that, it is changing my mind and it is making me question the leaders. Okay, so... What, what foreign medias did you watch? So I watched uh, Bad Boys 2 <laughs> in America. I'm sorry. I know, I know, but it has... I love that movie. I know, it is the, <laughs> it is the greatest movie ever. Anyways... And 007, I watched quite a lot in North Korea because I told you in my generations, they watch all foreign medias, but they can't question them because they're afraid of dying. But who are truly not believing North Koreans, they leave North Korea. That's the option they have. Either die or dying trying to get out of North Korea. And when I watch those movies, it makes me like question them, right? Okay, so we are the greatest. But we are star- we are starving. But if I see this movie, in this movie they're living their life like a king, and they can do whatever they want. Why can't we do that, right? But if I ask them, I'm gonna die, and my family's gonna die. So somehow Will Smith and Martin Lawrence are making <laughs> a difference Smith. in North Korea. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So that was the main thing that North Korea is successfully controlling the North Korean civilian. It is the educational broadcasting and brainwash them. Let's take a quick break to recap what we've heard so far. The key things to remember are one, the North Korean government is positioned to be a godlike figure. Two, the government controls people through the education system, media, and fear. Three, there are severe repercussions for questioning the government leadership, which include deportation, labor camps, execution, or the imprisonment of your family. And four, consuming and promoting foreign media is a punishable crime. This recap was brought to you by ProTier. ProTier is a service that provides independent contractors the ability to quickly and easily form a business. If you're a 1099 contractor, ProTier will create a business license for you that will save you thousands by allowing you to allocate expenses like gas and your cell phone to your business. For $50 a year, you can turn your contract work into a real business. To start a business, visit pro-tier.com, that's P-R-O-T-I-E-R.com, and use promo code BENJSHAP for 50% off your first year of service. ProTier. Okay, let's get back to Charles. Now, tell me about your story. I'll talk about my mother's side first. My grandfather, my mother's side grandfather, he was a musician. He played instruments uh, to like the government, right? And my grandmother, she was really well educated. She went to college in Japan and she spoke like around like, five languages. And she worked as a Chinese translator between North Korean government and Chinese government. My mother's side family had three siblings, uh, which is my mom. And my mom is the youngest. And there's uh, another two sisters above her. All of them are um, musicians too. They all play instruments. My mother is violinist. My auntie was cellist, the middle one. I don't know what she does. But mm-hmm. yeah, she, she still plays something. 
when she was around age 20, my grandfather, he made a mistake, which is playing uh, foreign music to the government. If you do that, you'll be in big trouble because North Korean government is trying to hide everything from the foreign culture. So my grandfather played a music at the government conference and then government find out and they said, okay, you are not North Korean minded because you played a song, you're no longer allowed to live here in capital city in Pyongyang. So do you know what the song was? So I'm assuming it's probably like Beethoven or, you know, just playing a song to make other people feel better, you know? It's not something about North Korea, it's foreign music. When your grandfather played this song, was it an act of rebellion? That time was not allowed. North Korea is really strict about the musics and dramas and videos. Tell us what are the repercussions of moving from the main town and to a suburb? Uh, because the closer you live to the Pyongyang city, it is the better because Pyongyang city has 24-hour electric city and it also has a water system. The bigger the city you live in is the more better you live because more electricity and waters and better economies, you know. For my grandfather's family and my mother's family, it is really bad because there is no government service anymore. Before, the government's like provides you everything. Let's say rice, uh, every holidays, you get some meat, you know, something to eat, some money to well, buy a clothes. But none of that is applied to us anymore because he's a criminal. From the stresses, my grandfather got a um, stroke, so he cannot use his uh, both legs. He has to lay down on the bed 24-7. My mother keep changing his diapers. Tell me about, you know, what your mother's life was like and what you know about her. So, well, I'm assuming that my mother lived her life really freely because Pyongyang city was really free. In Pyongyang capital, which rich town, so she was really like fashion about it. You know, she's like fashion, you know, actress. Yeah. But when she moved to town, well, it's like hell for her because there's nothing to do around the town. It's really small and there's no fun thing. And now you're starving. You don't get to do actress anymore. So I'm assuming she was really depressed and she was really trying to make her on her way out. Did she ever talk to you about what life was like being an actress? No, but I saw a lot of pictures. So most North Korean pictures, it has no color in it, just like black and white. But when I was young, like, okay, seven or eight, when I saw that there was a color in it, so I could tell it's really like, you know, oh my God. She never talked about what life was like. She lived in Pyongyang because I don't know if every time she talked about it, I think it makes her feel bad. So sad. the most thing make you sad is the most thing that used to make you happy, right? I think yeah, like, yeah, she did. She doesn't want to talk about it, but I saw a lot of pictures and it's also, it was a lot of like a wealthy, you know, parting pictures. Now tell me about the background of your father's family. I don't know a lot of my fam father's family side because my mother's side family and my father's side family, they hated each other. So I don't get to, I don't get any chance to like visit enough. But what I know about my father's side family is my, my grandfather is a Chinese soldier. And when there was a Korean war, he came out to help North Korea and he stayed in North Korea. Uh, during that time after the war, the president of uh, North Korea, which is Kim Il-sung, gave the uh, Chinese two options. Either you stay or either you return to China. 
the ones who studied North Korea, he gave them um, citizenship. Do you, do you know which war this was or, or when yeah. it happened? Mm-hmm. 1953. Korean War, not the North is trying to take over the South. Like America got the uh, South Korean back, and China and Russia got the uh, North Korean back. The war ends, and he's granted dual citizenship. Then what happens? Yeah, and then she gets the citizenship, and then he met my grandmother. But my grandfather never spoke uh, Korean language, and when I was young, I visited once or twice. He couldn't still speak like not Korean. But somehow he met my grandmother and they married. Was she Korean? Yeah, she was fully not Korean. Okay. She doesn't speak any Chinese. My grandfather doesn't speak any not Korean. I don't know how they met, but maybe a sign language, you know, something like love language probably. <laughs> yeah. And then they met and they had my father during that time. If you are born under the Chinese people, then you are become automatically Chinese because your blood is Chinese, right? So North Korean president Kim Il-sung gave them a North Korean citizenship, but at the same time gave them a passport. And you have also options to be Chinese or either North Korean. So you have to choose your nationality. Uh huh. Yeah, but when he born, he born as North Korean. Mm-hmm. But after he's turned 18, you can choose. If you want, we can give you a Chinese citizenship. And if you don't want, it's fine. So your father gets to decide whether he's Chinese mm-hmm. or North Korean when he's 18. Yeah, yes. So, yep, that is all I know about my father's family side. Your, your parents met in sort of an unconventional way. Yeah. So tell us about the, the way that their relationship started and what was that like? Well, during the time my father met my mother, he already had a family and he already had four children. And also my mother, she was really young. I guess she's around... 26 or 27. So after she got kicked out from the Pyongyang city and she was living her life like a hell for like a couple years, she wanted to make on her way out. So she's marrying a guy she never met before, but met in a one day through my auntie's introduction. So let me ask you a question about that. Mm-hmm. Is an arranged marriage something that's common? Yeah, it is really common. You know, in North Korean culture, you have to marry what your parents told you to marry. Or so, like your sisters, you know. It it, it is really common. Right. Okay. And you said that your mother was like 26, which is young. When do people normally get married in North Korea? Officially married is around like 30 years old. Oh, really? Yeah. Officially marrying. Mm -hmm. And well, 27, 28, 29, 30. Have a sense of why they're getting married later? So in North Korea, really old days, they're getting married when there's five or ten. In my understanding, like, you know, it is not really polite to like, you know, have a girl next around your arm and, you know, comes to the house and, you know, like you're still 20 and what are you doing? You know, it is not really polite. Right. So like, okay, so I'm old enough to, you know, have a wife and I'm old enough to like carry a family. Not a lot of dating. There is not a lot of dating. Yes. Okay. There is like, you know. Okay, you, me, yeah, we met, you know, and we got married, you know. So literally, your mother got married in one day mm-hmm. to a guy that your aunt introduced her to. Yeah, so he, or so he was a musician. Okay. Yeah, he was a, what? A composer. Composer, yes. Right. Don't do, yeah, like this, right? Composer, yeah. yeah. He was in a, in North Korean college, which is, is also like, you know, kind of high class. So, well, in my understanding, she wanted her, her like old life back, right? Right. She thought like, if I live with him... I could be, you know, have a hope about leaving the old family. And then she found out that um, he was an abuser. 
he was abusing my mom, you know. And yeah, she, she had a one child with him. So he's like, for me, his brother with right. the same mother and different father. Well, she had him and then she escaped from him, you know, because he's really abusing, you know, at nighttime, mm-hmm. comes on drunk and, you know, hit her every time. And she was really paranoid. And so she came back to the small town where my grandfamily lives. And during that time, my father had um, already had a family, but somehow he met my mother. And just like one day, he fell in love with my mom. So hang on a second. Yeah. Before you go on there, we've, we've talked about this before, and there's this magical meeting of your mother and your father. Yes. And one day they, they meet and they fall in love. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about where they met or how they met or like anything about that story? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm assuming where my fa- father and mother met is not current traditional black market. I know about club in the United States, you know, in freedom here. Yeah. Like people go there and meet people, right? Also, same as North Korea, traditional black market is the place where you meet people mm-hmm. and where you buy things. It's like everything, you know. Right. So the it's the social center mm-hmm. of... The community. Yes. So, um, yeah. So, I'm assuming they met there because I lived with my auntie. She mentioned about it. So, I yeah, I'm assuming they met a traditional black market. So, was your dad's family affluent? Yes. What was their life like? Well, so he was, he lived in a small town and he was, his father was Chinese and he was Chinese, but they weren't upper class. They were really poor. They worked in a government's factory, the paper printing factory. So my auntie and my uncles, they all work in a government's like factories and government's farm. And even if you work for the government during that time, you don't get anything from it. Because uh, 1994, during the, when I was born, there's a famine happened, right? 3.5 million deaths, starvation. You don't get anything from governments. My father was low class because he, don't, he doesn't get anything from governments. They're too busy taking care of themselves. Let's get back to your your mother and your father. They're they're in the traditional black market. Yeah. And where you left off was they have this meeting. So they meet. What happens? Well, here's what I understand is, uh, so my father had a affair, which is, you know, in North Korea, it is really common. Like, we meet each other like a day and, you know, eh, it's fine, let's go. They find out, oh, so my father had an affair with my mom because she was really pretty and they decided to live together without marrying each other. And my father divorced his first wife. Well, it's not really divorce, just, you know, it's, it's not divorce, like, officially, just kick her out from the house, right? Okay, you leave your children here, just get out, just just go wherever you want. So uh, my mother lived with my father, and then maybe a few years, maybe two years, I was born. Let's take a quick second to summarize what we know about Charles's family. Charles' mother's family was a group of musicians who were deported from the capital for playing foreign music. Charles's mother was a musician and an actress who married an abusive man to escape the small town she was deported to. Charles's grandfather was a Chinese soldier who married a woman in North Korea. Since Charles' father was half Chinese, he was granted the right to go between China and North Korea. Charles's father originally had a family of four before meeting Charles's mother. Charles was born out of wedlock as the result of his parents having an affair. This recap was brought to you by my company, Ben J. Shap LLC. Ben J. Shap LLC is a marketing consulting practice. 
that uses a three-step brand development process to help companies identify, reach, and monetize their most profitable customer. If you're a CEO, head of marketing or sales, and you need help reaching your customers, Ben J. Shap LLC will create the marketing strategy that's right for your business. Are you ready to give your brand a voice? Visit benjshap.com or email us at mail at benjshap.com for more information. When I was born in 1994, there was a um, president of North Korea, which is Kim Il-sung. He died. He passed away. So North Korean people call it the feminine, feminine, North Korean feminine. And every economy was down and every factory couldn't work because, you know, they're all too sad to work, you know. So everyone's just sitting down the house, you know, crying, you know. So no one is there to like running the factory. So Kim Il-sung was popular. He's like a god to us you know, during that time. I'm assuming before the famine, people had food. People are really, they're, they're really okay. Every once in a while, they can meet, you know, every once in a while. They go out to, you know, drink once in a while, go to a restaurant, something like that. Just like a normal life. But after Kim Il-sung died, then everything crushes. People are too sad to work. So no factories, no farming. There's a lot of money, but there's no products. And there's no food to buy. So there was 3.5 million deaths, right? Starvation. And that was really hard. That was like, even for my family, that was really hard too. Because my father had five children, including me and mother and himself. So it's like seven of them. He's working in a small, like really small government factory driving a tractor. And he goes to like mountain and, you know, grab the wood and come back and but he doesn't get really well paid. And my father's side family had a little farm at their backyard. So all they could eat is like the foods from the farm. Well, so my family was struggling for like a few years. And then in 1998, when I was five, my father decided to be a Chinese. Is he saying, I'm not North Korean, I'm Chinese? Or is he saying, I'm going to China? I'm going to China. Okay. So he says, you know what? I'm done. When he left China, he took all four of his children with him, but not me and my mother. So she had a hard trouble. So, you know, she couldn't really walk that far and she had a really hard time, you know, working. So she's a, like basically a patient, right? But when my father left, he also leave us a lot of debts too. So basically he borrowed money from the neighbors and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to China. I'll buy some products and I'm going to come back and I'm going to sell that and I'm going to make money double and I'll pay you double. So your dad makes the decision that he can't support his family in North Korea, and he decides that he's leaving for China. He goes to the neighbors and says, give me all the money. Well, yeah, just, you know, borrow me money you have, you know, I can make it back because, you know, I'm a Chinese, right? He saw the password and if I go to China and buy the products with your money and come back and I'll sell the products and I'm going to make more money. And then what he did with the money is he borrowed that money and then he buys a drug, opium, and he brings it to China. Because during that time in North Korea, opium wasn't that a big drug. Opium was just like a medication, right? This is, even the children eat the seeds of the opium, you know, just cut it inside a lot of seeds. We eat it for like food. But he buys the opium and he brings it to China. And he get caught at the uh, border and he got during the jail. He go to Chinese jail or North Korean jail? Chinese prison. 
the consequences of the money that he borrowed from the neighbors is all on my mother. And he borrowed that money with my mother's side family's name. And when he, before he lived, like, okay, I have a children and I have a wife here, you know, I'll be back. And then they, the debt collectors come to our house and knock down our house every day. And, you know, where's my money? You know, I need my money back. And it's a time, you know, he should be arrived now, but he's not here, right? And later and later, they come to our house and, you know, break things and I'll take our things, you know. They hospitalize my mom and eventually they took our house too. So with that option, we, we have no options to, you know, just living in a street or either going back to my grandmother's house. So she decided to go back to her mother's side family. And then we got to her house when I was seven and I lived with my grandmother from seven to eleven. When I lived with my grandmother, my mother just, you know, always go outside. She never home because she was trying to find my father, you know, trying to make a contact with him and, you know, trying to get some help from him. But he's in prison. So she never home for three years until I was 10. And I lived with my grandmother, but she also had a responsibility of other children that my mother had before. Then she came back, finally came back to home, came back to us. When she came back, she was really sick. She couldn't move, she couldn't eat, she couldn't talk for a year. And she was in a hospital and couldn't go to school it's because I have to nurse my mom. And then about a year, she passed away without saying any last words, you know, because she was veggie. You knew your mother until you were, uh, it was 11 years old. Mm -hmm. How do you think about that relationship? It was really a bad relationship. Do you love your mother? I do love her because she's my mom, obviously. Well, and it's not her fault, right? It's just my father just abandons her and, you know, just abandons me too. So after my mom passed away, life was really hard. In every North Korea, they have like a, like a garage. You put your uh, like a food in, in a, for the winter, like animals when they go to hibernate. But for our house, there's nothing in it. I didn't even have a clothes to wear. I went to the dumpster and I pick up the clothes and, you know, I just wear it. And in North Korea, the shoes is a plastic for summer. For, you know, when there's a rain, then the rain doesn't get into your feet. In, in a winter, I wear the plastic shoes. And the other side of my foot, I wear a winter shoes. So you'd mismatch shoes. Yeah, mismatch okay. shoes and go to school like that for like a couple months. The other kids make fun of you? Of course. <laughs> oh, look at that. Look at this. You know, well, well, I was the only one who's just sitting in a corner, you know, by myself. That's kind of sad. Eventually, my grandmother, you know, says, I can't take care of you because I'm too old. And, you know, it is time I send you to your aunt. So when I was 11 years old in 2005, uh, she sends me to the uh, my, my aunt's house. And then in a winter, I arrived at her house. Where is the new city you're moving to? So the new city is right next to Pyongyang, and it is really close to South Korea. It's called Hwanghaebukdo Sariwonsi. One more time. Hwanghaebukdo Sariwonsi. Okay. And this city is kind of rich. It is really close to Pyongyang, and it has electricity and it has water. The people are really, you know, well educated. A lot of apartments. You know, and I never saw an apartment before. You know, in this small town. Mm -hmm. You know, in my life. So when I arrived at my auntie's house, she was a doctor. My uncle, he was an eye doctor mm -hmm. at the, the biggest at the hospital in the whole Sariwonsi. So my aunt was really nice, but those like two years was the only time that I went to school in North Korea. 
So I start as a freshman, like, you know, really freshman. Even though I was 11 years old, I have to take a class for nine years old. I don't know, it's something like, something's with me, you know. <laughs> you know, I think I had a lot of, like, stresses. I think, uh, like, a shocking, you know. I never, I never wet my bed. But when I live with my aunt, I wet my bed. Even though I was 11, you know, I never did that before. I never did that. I don't know, because I think the, like, stresses of losing my mom and, you know, being by myself. Every night, what my bed. So my uncle hated me to death, you know, because it's a winter, you know. You cannot even open the door, and I'm wetting my bed. It smells so bad. In the first three months, you know, well, it's okay, it's curable, you know. My my uncle's like, it's okay, it's curable, you know. We can cure you, you know. But I'm doing that for like a couple of months right now. My uncle's like, you know what? I'm done. You know, I can't do this anymore. And He's keep talking to my aunt, you know, talking bad about me, you know. I, we have to kick him out, you know. Carlos is not allowed to be here because he peeing our bed, you know. Look at us, you know, it's like all smelly. So tell me a little bit about the place you're living. It's your aunt and your uncle. Do they have children? Yes, they had a one child, which is uh, like one or two years older than me. Was it a big house? Was it an apartment? It's an apartment, but it's a one room, only one room. There is no restroom. We have to go to public restroom, you know. Everybody have their own bed? Not so many people do because it's really expensive, you know. Everybody sleeps on the floor. Mm-hmm. Well, my aunt did. She had a bed. But yeah, it's only only for the old people. Right. right. <laughs> so it's just like showing respect, you know. Okay, you sleeping on the bed, I'll sleep on the floor. Mm-hmm. So, well, I, flo- I slept on the floor, but I was wetting my blankets. My uncle keep telling my auntie to kick me out, right? It was a winter too. How could she? Because she loves me, you know. She's really nice and she loves me, but because of her... Because of her husband's, you know, like talking, right? Bad talking, trash talking, right? So every time how the conversation ends is me being kicked out from the house, even though like, you know, summer heat or winter cold, right? So yeah. So when you say you, you're being kicked out of the house, tell me what that means. Well, just kick out, you know, just get out of from, from my house, you know, get out with just, just my underwear on, you know, mm-hmm. everybody else is on the outside at nighttime, you know. And everybody's laughing at me, you know. Oh, he's 11 years old. He's wetting his bed, you know. Like, oh my God, look at him. Like, make fun of me, you know. <laughs> Even the winter, you know, I was really cold, you know. Like, But really nice. Some nice people, you know. They bring a blanket, you know. Here you go. Where did you sleep? Well, I couldn't sleep. I was just like waiting, you know, to my aunt to come to pick me up. Just like freezing. And then maybe at midnight, you know, like after they done fighting, they come to pick me up. Come to like bring me back. But it's different at the summertime <laughs> when I get kicked out. I go sleep at the, at the garage, the roof. In North Korea, they do that a lot because it's really hot during the summer. Because in North Korea, there is an apartment, right? And everybody has their garage outside of the apartment. Night view is really nice, you know, because you can see everybody sleeping on a floor, like, you know. Do you like the town? Well, I had a lot of friends, you know. Well, not a lot, but like, because... I was wetting my bed. I was I was the one who, who gets abused by other kids. Well, I had like two friends that I take a picture with. That's the only friend I have. And the well, only thing we do for fun is just catching a cricket. So every after school, we go out and we catch that and we cook it. You know, you just like on a boil, you know, don't know water. You just like cook it and we eat it. That's for fun, doing for yeah. fun. Yeah. Just not worrying about anything, you know, even though, you know, if I go home, my aunt's going to be really mad, you know, and my uncle is trying to kick me out every night, you know, so he's looking for things, what I did wrong. Eventually, you end up leaving. What happens? During the time that I live with my aunt, my aunt forced me to write a letter 
to my father. So she met them and she gets a address from my address from them. You know, she had a connections to like where my father lives at. Did she know he was in China? Yeah, he abandons me and my mother and lives in China. Did she know he was in jail? She didn't know. Okay, so yeah, she... I didn't even know either. But this is like the further like later on when I knew. Right. She forced me to write a letter every month. Hey, you know, I'm doing really fine. In North Korean letter, you cannot say we're starving. Please help. You know, I'm I'm struggling here. You can't say that because the North Korean government's gonna, you know, and if it's okay, it's gonna go. You know, if they say say anything bad things about it, then it's gonna not gonna go. So I have to say, you know, father, I'm living really my life. You know, it's really paradise, really nice. You know, but I really miss you. I really hope you one day just come for me. You know, well, I didn't say that. My aunt forced me to say that, so I said that. In two years, when I was thirteen years old, my father finally turns a letter to me. Okay, so it's been like eight years. Yeah, eight years. So he's been out of. I'm assuming he's out of jail. At this yeah, point. yeah, he was in in prison for four years. Okay, so he got out like. After four so years. he's been out for a couple of years. Yeah, a couple of years. And he finally writes you back. Mm-hmm. What'd the letter say? Well, my aunt didn't show me. But I'm assuming like it's really thankful that took care of my child. You know, I'm really appreciated all the hard work you've done. You know, but I'm maybe someday. You know, if I can meet, it's gonna be really great. But it's not gonna happen. You know. But my aunt, what she did was she didn't show me the letter. This is what I heard from my father, right? But she didn't show me the letter. She went to local government. Show them like, okay. See, if I get a passport, he's gonna help me out. My nephew's father is in China. If I go there, I could probably get help. She wanted to get a passport. One thing really for sure that I know my grandmother was a, a translator was because she took a lot of pictures in China with the government shaking hands. And yeah, apparently she had a lot of friends in China. My aunt was looking for connections to go to China. Is she trying to get you to go to China? Does she want to go to China? She wanted to go to China, so I can go to you know my father's house and get help. But is she gonna take you or is she? No, she's not gonna take. She's you. just saying. Yeah, she's like me. Go to China so I can get help for my nephew. nephews. Yeah, because okay. I'm too young to travel, right? She gets the passport. But she doesn't have money to go to China. So what she doing is she's blackmailed my father, saying that if you don't send me a money, I'm gonna send your child to orphanage. I'm gonna send you to an orphanage. Orphanage, yeah. Or I'm gonna chop your child off and sell it as a meat. Wow. Yeah. Even though my father abandons me, saw that and like, what is going on, right? She's holding my child as a hostage. She's blackmailing your father to try to get money so she can go to China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my father thinks that. I'm a hostage. So did I mentioned that um, I have two stepbrothers and two stepsisters, right? On your father's side. Yeah, on my father's side. My father, so he telling my stepbrother to go to the city and bring my child and you take care of him. And then one day I was out of school and I was coming home. Some strange lady shows up and like, hey, I'm from your father, you know, you have to come with me immediately. We are going to get caught. I was like... Why are you so whispering to me? I don't know like who you are. I don't even know who you are, so I cannot go with you. Cause like when I was young, I heard a lot of rumors too. You know, like people, strange people, kidnapping children and selling us a meat. To clarify, you're saying the rule in North Korea is don't talk to strangers because they will kidnap you, kill you, and, and turn <laughs> you into meat to sell yes. to other people. Yeah. So I was really afraid, right? Because like she was like scary too. She looks like really serious and you know like, okay, you have to come with me right now. So I was afraid and I just ran home. And I told my auntie, a strange lady trying to get me, you know. And my auntie was laughing 
who's gonna do that, you know? And then 30 minutes later, this lady comes to my house and show me my father's picture, me when I take it young. Okay, this is your father. I'm, I'm from your father and try, I'm going to take care of you from now. And they were like arguing, you know, because my auntie was using me as the bait to go to China, right? And if I was gone, she has no reason to go to China. So she's trying to grab me and my brother's wife. That's your your yeah, dad's yeah. son. Dad's son. It's his wife. wife. So yeah. that makes it your... Sister-in-law. Yeah, she tell me, okay, I'm your brother's wife. And she also showed me my brother's picture when I took it young with him. She's trying to take me to her house and my auntie is trying to, you know, keep me there. You know, it's like a war, you know. <laughs> so they're like arguing, like outside, I can hear them like really, really loudly, you know. Like, okay, you can take, you know, my nephew, you know, or take my brother-in-law, you know, I have for like hours. So at first, everybody's trying to get rid of you. Nobody wants to take yeah, care of you. Yeah, nobody's trying to take now care of Now your aunt realizes that she can use you to try to get to China. Now yeah. everybody wants you. Yep, everybody wants me. Also, because... If my stepbrother take care of me and he knows that he, he will get help from his father, he will send him like, you know, let's say like, you know, another piece of rice or another piece of clothes. So yeah, now everybody wants me. I was like, oh my God, what's happening? Right? And they asked me, what do you want? So I say, I want to go. This is hell. You guys fighting every night because of me and the conversation is ending me being kicked out. So how do you expect me to live my life like this? You know, I just tell them, you know, please let me go. How old are you? I was 13. Okay. Yeah. And please let me go, right? And then my aunt was crying, you know, holding my hand. Please don't go. I will let you go to a Chinese school in North Korea where the Chinese kids are going. You know? If you live with me, you will be having a great life later on. I will let you be a movie star too because you're really handsome. But I said, no, I really want to go with my, my sister-in-law. That's how I, I left off with my um, sister-in-law. I moved to more closer to Pyongyang. So the city is called Pyongannam-do Suncheonshi. It's like one like really big city behind from the Pyongyang. When I got to my brother's house, they farmed rice, so they eat on their farm. I could go, okay, Charles, just go down there and eat however you want. Oh my God, I was so happy. And then I have to help them farm every day. So my brother lived with his wife's family because he doesn't have any money to buy a house. My brother's father was like the factory's accountant and he's now retired. He used to work for the governments like that. So he gets the benefits, right? He gets whole mountain in their backyard. It's, it's not a mountain, it's like a hill, you know. And he get to farm all of the hill. 30% of that he gave the government. 70% he kept it. So they're kind of rich. And it's a spring, right? So I have to help them farm in a spring, like... 5 a.m. through 10 p.m. every day. Oh my god, I felt like, you know, they're just using me a slave or something like that. But, you know, my life was still happy, you know, and my brother was Chinese. So a lot of, like, people look at me as a Chinese too. And when I was in, in Sariwonsi with my aunt, I was like person like who always get make fun of. But now like I'm living my life like, oh, she's Chinese, his father is Chinese. So like a lot of neighbors, kids trying to get to me. It sounds like what you're saying is that when you're Chinese, you're looked at as special. What's the dynamic of how Chinese citizens are viewed in North Korea? 
not Korean people are not allowed to know other countries' people, another country's culture, except Chinese, because Chinese and North Korea has special relationship. North Korean people are look at look at Chinese people as like more higher than governments. You know, they think the government's really strict. You know, they don't they don't know they're rich. As a Chinese, they think we're really rich. Oh my God, you go to China. So everybody look at me as like you know Chinese and look at uh, really jealous of me, you know. And I get to meet a lot of new friends, you know. I knew some like rich kids too. Their father owns a business at the black market. So people look at you like you're special. You mix in with a more affluent crowd. Yeah, life is really great. And then, um, and then my brother says, Charles, do you want to go to your father? Well, hell yeah, I want to. I want to go to China, of course. Seeing my father, right? Because I never met him. And then my brother had a smuggler in Hesan City. And how they get me, here's a river. And this is North Korea, right? In Riverside, here is my brother sending me. And the other side, this is China. My father with a clothes and taxi cab. Just let me swim, right? That's it. There's no boat or anything. I just have to swim. What you're saying is there's a narrow river. You go with a smuggler and your brother and you pretend to take a shower and you're able to swim to the other side. And then on the other side, there's just your dad and a pair of Nikes. Yeah, exactly. He had a Nike hat too. Oh, he so, had yeah, a Nike yeah. hat? Oh, yes. In North Korea, the Nike is really famous too. Anyways, so my brother told me like, okay, the other side, your father's going to be waiting with the black pants and white shirt and the hat. You know, and he's holding a cloth trying to find him. And then I try to pretend like trying to go deeper, deeper, deeper. Because right behind me, there is a the security guy sit down there smoking and watching me you know, go deeper and deeper. Are you the only person there? No, there's a lot of people washing their clothes, taking a bath. Mm-hmm. And... Are there people on the Chinese side too? Well, there's just watching, you know. <laughs> right. So in North Korea, there is no water, right? So the women <laughs> come to the river and take a private bath, right? <laughs> So the Chinese people are watching that, you know. That's why a lot of people in the China side. Okay, so. Yeah, so that's the only reason there's a lot of Chinese guys, you know, like older guys, you know, like 60s, 70s. So you're not the only person that's standing on mm-hmm. the beach on the other mm-hmm. side. Yeah, yeah. The smuggler just told me how to like swim. Where it's not deep, where it's water is really fast. But I think the other guy didn't notice. And then like when I stepped on the China side, my father just come down and grab my hands. I didn't know who was he, you know. I, I, I never saw him face. But he grabbed my hand and went to taxi cab. What did he say to you? Hurry up. Hurry up. That's the first thing he said. Hurry up. The people are seeing us. Hurry up. And then when we get in the taxi cab, he said, I'm your father. Okay, so you didn't know it was your father at first. Yeah, I thought it's like a it's like smuggler helping me to find my father. Let's take a quick second to recap what led to Charles's first escape attempt. After Charles was born, Kim Il-sung died, which caused the North Korean economy to crash and also caused a great famine. Because the economy was in shambles, Charles's father decided to leave for China, but not to take Charles and his mother. He borrowed money from the neighborhood to purchase opium, which caused him to be arrested for smuggling drugs when he crossed the border into China. Charles's mother was held responsible for paying the debt for Charles's family. The stress on Charles's mother caused her to have health problems, which led to her death. After Charles's mother's died, he moved in with his aunt and his uncle. The emotional stress on Charles caused him to frequently wet his bed, which caused strain on his relationship with his aunt and his uncle. Eventually, Charles's aunt used him as an excuse to attempt to get into China and blackmail Charles's father for money. 
Charles's aunt threatened to take Charles, chop him up, and sell him as meat. Because of this threat, Charles's father sent Charles's sister-in-law to be his guardian and take him from his aunt, where Charles was forced to decide between living with his aunt or his sister-in-law who he didn't know. When Charles chose his sister-in-law, he moved to a town that bordered China. Charles's brother organized a smuggler to help Charles get to China, where Charles swam across a river and was reunited with his father. This recap is brought to you by Rinse. Rinse is a dry cleaning and laundry delivery service based in San Francisco, Los Angeles, and Washington, D.C. They provide quality cleaning, convenient pickup and delivery, simple scheduling, and amazing customer service. I could vouch for them personally. I worked for Rinse for a long time. If you're looking to get some help getting one of your most time-consuming chores done, Rinse is a great service. For $25 off your first Rinse order, visit rinse.com ben. Rinse clean clothes you deserve and the convenience you demand. Okay, well, we're going to take a break here for today and wrap this episode up. I truly hope you've enjoyed the first episode of A Long Road Home. In our next episode, we're going to sit down with Charles again to talk about what his life was like living with his father, how he was caught and deported back to North Korea, what life was like being a prisoner of the North Korean government, and how he ended up being an indentured slave in a coal mine. It's an amazing story, and we can't wait to bring it to you. A few minor requests before we let you go. First off, if you enjoyed this podcast, we would absolutely love it for you to share it. Please write us a review on iTunes or in Stitcher. If you or anyone you know has a story that needs to be told that would be a good fit for a long road home, we would love to hear from you please email us at podcast at benjshap.com. That's B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P.com. Thanks for listening to the first episode of A Long Road Home. We really look forward to bringing you the next episode soon. 